Hello and welcome to the Argus Metal Movers podcast. Uh, I'm Tom Kavanagh and I'm here with Will Talbot from Argus Consulting. And we're going to be talking all things lithium today. Um, hi, Will. Hello, good to see you. Nice to see you, mate. Um, so let's start off with um, what's been happening in lithium over the past few weeks. So obviously, we've seen a, a very, very strong pricing trend um, over the past few weeks. And in fact, over the past year, but it's really stepped up over the past few weeks, especially on the carbonate market. Um, lithium carbonate prices uh, have now risen to 51 to $52, um, and that's up over 400% from $9 at the start of 2021. Hydroxide prices are also up at 49.50 to 50.50, um, and that's again a 380% rise from from just over $9 at the start of 2021. In terms of carbonate prices, those prices have increased a little bit more dramatically over the past uh, couple of months. Uh, that's basically to do with brine operations slowing down in China, and uh, to do with the strength of the LFP switchover um, in China, I think you have some have some information on LFP switchover in China over the last year, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the change to this kind of LFP dominated battery output has just been astonishing. Um, you know, last year I think the um, the end of year ratio in terms of installed volume. Uh, was something like um, one and a half to one in favour of LFP. Um, you know, compare that to just you know three, uh, two years ago when NMC was overwhelmingly the uh, the dominant force here. Um, and you know, this has been driven to such a large extent because of this switch to LFP in um, in Chinese EVs, not just in buses um, as it was. You know, perhaps historically, it's now moved uh, to small cars, to medium cars, even to very kind of high performance vehicles um, in the Chinese market. And, uh, you know, this is a trend that I think is only going to strengthen into the future. Um, I think LFP is not going away in China. And if anything, it will continue to be the dominant chemistry there uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, a little bit more on that in a in a little bit, but um, looking at the the overall trend in lithium prices, I mean, it's it's clear to see that demand from the battery industry has now reached a, a different point in in history than where we were at before. Um, EV sales last year uh, topped, I think, our figure for it was six point eight nine million, um, and you know, in China alone, there was over 3 million sales, um, way up from 2020, up by over 154%. Um, and then at the start of the year in China, it started extremely strong um, with 431,000 sales in January alone. Um, so, I, I mean, Will, what do our figures show? Uh, what do Argus's figures show in terms of uh, the direction of the EV market? I mean, the, the only direction is up, right? Um, I think we're currently forecasting uh, this year that, uh, you're, you're right, by the way, yeah, about 6.8, 6 6.9 million sales total for uh, for cars in 2021. This year, you're looking at maybe 9.5, 9.4. Um, and by, say, 2030, that number is going to shoot up to maybe 26, 27 million per year. Um, which is, you know, just a huge number um, if you look at it in in terms of global sales. Um, and 
you know, in, in terms of the energy requirement, that's easily two terawatt hours per year of production by 2030. Um, and in fact, that is only going to exponentially increase into the 2030s as you start seeing electrification in uh, you know, markets which now have effectively little markets like India markets, which uh, are really going to see a boost probably in the 2030s. Um, of course, most of the growth at the moment is driven uh, mainly in China and also in Europe. So Europe had um, a really stellar year um, last year. You're re- you know, you're starting to see kind of almost at the kind of 20% mark if, in terms of new BEVs and new PHEVs in some uh, key markets. Um, and that's just astonishing if you looked at where we were, you know, even one year ago. Yeah, and uh, it's it's interesting because this year we've got new models of vehicles out now that are, that are going to be sort of mass production, mass sale vehicles, Volkswagen ID5, the BMW i4, and then this new Lucid Air vehicle, which is kind of a, a more rangy challenger to the, the Teslas of the world. So a lot more companies moving into this space means a lot more sales, a lot more of their product mixes is, is going to be uh, a part of it. I, I think we should we should return to that subject um, to finish off a, with a battery chemistry because this is the real um, crux of the issue in the battery market and what's going to affect the demand for nickel, cobalt, lithium going forward. We had a discussion before about the, the geopolitical significance of um, LFP versus NMC. Uh, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. So, I mean, you know, LFP is so um, dominant in China, both in the, um, you know, on, on the production and in the kind of output, as it were. So China is, you know, the biggest producer of LFP batteries. It's also the biggest installer um, in terms of you know, vehicles that are uh, that are produced there. Now, other regions um, are starting to adopt LFP. So a number of European manufacturers have said that they um, will start to use LFP chemistries probably in the you know small car ranges. Um, but I think there's been a, a you know a level of resistance to using LFP in say um, some medium duty cars or in some uh, or sorry some entry level cars or some you know very high powered ones which obviously you run into issues with um, kind of issues with the chemistry there. But, you know, if you look at some producers, sorry, some some lithium producers, um, you know, many of them in, in the West, at least, are focusing uh, much more on hydroxide, which is, you know, the preferred um, input for NMC rather than carbonate, which is the preferred input for LFP. So I think it will be quite interesting to see, you know, particularly over the next, say, five to ten years, um, how that geopolitical kind of climate between China versus Europe and the US pans out. Um, especially because you know LFP is overwhelmingly the kind of cost, um, the cost-conscious option. You know, it's the low-cost option for an EV, uh, which means that when you do start to see EV roll out in, say, developing countries such as India, which are incredibly price-conscious on uh, vehicles, uh, LFP is likely to be the uh, lithium chemistry that they turn to. Yeah, so just to one one final point. I mean, the, the switching to LFP obviously has already heralded quite strong results in terms of price growth for lithium carbonate. Um, you know, as as August Consulting offers uh, regular forecasts on on lithium, uh, I wonder if you could just quickly touch on what our sort of short to medium term expectations are for the lithium price now going forward. 
Yeah, so I mean, uh, obviously, as you mentioned, the the lithium price hike has been just huge. I think it's like four hundred percent since since the beginning of last year. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of the issues that okay, so so a lot of the issues that have driven the um, recent spike um, are quite um, you know transitory. I think they're they're very short term issues to an extent. There's, as you mentioned, I think some of the weather that's going on in China. There's um, you know the shutdown of, of the converters in China. There's also you know COVID related issues to do with um, you know, logistics and transport and that sort of thing. Um, having said that. Uh, you know the supply demand balance remains um, very tight, and um, you know there have been announcements of uh, plants that are expanding or new capacity that's coming online, and that will probably ease things a little bit, at least in you know this year, maybe next year. But come 2025, 2026, if you just look at the plants that have been announced, if you just look at um, even if you go, you know, you really kind of reach out to the ones that. Uh, you know, haven't even done a full feasibility study, the ones they say they can produce, you know, X much lithium. Um, we're really going to run into an issue because there will be, I think, um, a lack of existing capacity to meet demand. Um, that's not to say that there aren't resources. You know, there's plenty of lithium in the ground to meet um, the existing demand for it or the projected demand for it, I should say. Um, but, you know, the market really needs uh, investment into the uh, into new capacity. Um, and just again to touch briefly on your point of the short-term expectations, so because we think there's going to be a slight easing from current prices uh, at some point this year, I think we're probably going to see prices remain at this quite elevated level for the next couple of months, and then maybe a slight easing into into the middle of this year, um, and then uh, perhaps again an easing next year. Um, but yeah, you know, unless new capacity comes online by, say, 2025, 2026, you know, we're only going to see um, another kind of reversion to this dramatic rise in prices. Sure. And just one last thing, it's worth pointing out that, um, you know, with prices so high, it does encourage some extra investment, but we need to see that solidly come online. Anyway. Thanks, Will, for talking every, all things lithium with me uh, today. And thanks, everyone, for being with us here at Argus Metal Movers podcast. Um, and we hope to see you next time. Thanks, Tom. Bye.